There we go. Hello. Welcome to K-Drama School, you guys. Lovely to be here. The show I'm going to talk about today is Tuna with an exclamation point, and it stars Pesuji of Miss A, very big K-pop star, as we all know, Pesuji. She was very skinny on this show. I was like a little concerned with her, with her um, health for a split second. I'm like, oh my gosh, like somebody give her some food, you know, <laughs> like you know the scene when um, Tuna's mom shows up at Tuna's house. And as soon as Tuna opens the door, what does her mom say? She says, you got fat. <laughs> I was like, what fat? She looks sickly. She looks like she needs to be put to bed and fed milk every single night for the next 40 days. That's what she looks like. What the hell are you talking about? She looks fat. You know, that's such a that's such a mom move, like a toxic mom move to call her skinny ass daughter fat because I'm whatever who gives a shit it's not it's inappropriate <laughs> the show also stars Yang Sejong who is an actor who recently returned from his military service and I did not I, did, I was not aware of his service because I was not missing him oops sorry Yang Sejong he's just not somebody I've seen a lot of before his filmography has about like 10 10 ish shows maybe less but uh, the only show that he's done that I recognize is Haimdang. And I don't remember him from Haimdang because I was just distracted by the fact that Yeonghye is doing television again. So all my focus went there when I was watching Haimdang. But Yang Sejong, he's been around since like 2016 or so. So, okay, so Pesuji is playing herself in a way. She's playing somebody that went through this whole let's not call it a fiasco, this career of being in the K-pop entertainment ecosystem. Like she understands all the troubles and woes and suffering that a young star goes through, including grooming. I mean, I was a little, I was a little taken aback by seeing how grooming is handled by this series. It was a little weird, but hey, I don't know all the details, right? So I'm not going to make assumptions. All right. So the the scholar that came to mind when I was watching this show is Richard Dyer. Richard Dyer is a British scholar, and he is known for conducting race studies, queer studies, and star studies. I would say star studies is like one of his like, he's mostly known for that, at least in cinema media studies. That's what he's mostly known for. And he published this book called Stars in 1979, which is an influential book. And then seven years later, he, he published Heavenly Bodies, which is also a stardom study text, but it explores it more from the angle of an audience's perspective and what audiences project onto stars. So I was revisiting Dyer's first book, Stars, and in that he mentions this archetype of the super female super female and I was just like how does super female um, work in the context of tuna this show tuna okay so super female according to Dyer is a star who is feminine but also very intelligent and she has like a masculine quality to her she is masculine in her ability to adapt to a masculine environment to get what she wants but this super female concept is also pressurizing the star. Like she's expected to be strong. She's expected to be intelligent. And she's also considered dominating because of her masculine attributes that she adopts in order to survive. 
Uh, a quote from Dyer's book, he says, quote, the super female type seems capable of articulating the damage done when a person of great capacities is confined to a demeaning or over-restricted world, end quote. Now, is a K-pop star in a demeaning or over-restricted world? I would say she is in both of those worlds. Okay, so over-restricted. How is Tuna over-restricted? We all know. I mean, she's over-restricted by her industry, right? She's over-restricted by her mother. Her mother exploits her for money. Her mother was negligent when Tuna was a child. Tuna felt like she didn't have anywhere else to go other than this K-pop industry thing, become a huge star, become the success that she is, but she's just like an empty hull of a shell, right? She feels unloved. She feels ugly. She feels unworthy. She hates herself. Okay, so she is in a over-restricted world and she is in a demeaning world because the people around her demean her. Also, her K-pop fandom world is demeaning right i mean she has a huge fan base of course and they send her love and accolades but just as strongly the other flip side of that is the anti-fandom they hate her they despise her they talk shit about her and they don't even know her just like these these fans love her but they don't even know her and that is to me a very demeaning and over-restricting world oh my gosh yeah to have people constantly projecting their worst feelings you know, onto you, but also your best, their best feelings onto you. It's very impersonal. There's something a little strange about all of this. In stardom studies, a lot of scholars say like, oh, a star is there for the public to project their aspirations onto, to project their fantasies onto, or for a public to project how a society should be, the idealism of a society. Ah, that's a lot of pressure on a star right? And so, okay, it's up to the star to then decide, like, is this true or not? Obviously, not all of it is true, okay? But Tuna absorbs a lot of these energies. She does. She starts to feel like she is really unworthy of love. So she has the self-loathing in her. All right, so Tuna is a super female. She's a beloved K-pop star. She's the lead singer of her girl group. Without her, her girl group loses the market value that it used to have, and it plummets after she leaves. It's apparent to everyone that Tuna is the star in that group. And the industry is ruthless in how they want to control her because they don't want to lose her. They know that she's the moneymaker. All right, so Tuna is a super female in that she is incredibly talented. She can be dominating. She can hold her own when it comes to the pressures of the industry and make negotiations as she moves forward with her mother and her manager. Okay, but she's also a deeply lonely person. Yeah, she doesn't know. She's somebody who doesn't know how to love herself. I mean, that's like, we see this from the get-go. And Wonjun becomes the catalyst towards this journey of sort of processing like the muck and getting to a place of self-acceptance and self-love. Both characters do have a tricky past when it comes to love and loving. Tuna appears to have been groomed by her manager whose influence was too big on her from when she was very, very young. And it's not very clear whether or not they had a physically intimate relationship or a loving relationship. I don't know. The like the parts that I see, it's like, OK, it's there. I think I think based on how hurt she is and how betrayed she feels, perhaps their relationship was in sort of this gray area 
perhaps there was physical intimacy. Perhaps there was sexual abuse. I don't know. This is never answered by the show, which is a little frustrating. Yeah, it's like, why don't you go there? Huh? Why are we too afraid to go there? Is this something that goes on a lot behind the scenes? Why, why are we too afraid to go there? So I thought that was a little weird. And I don't know if that was censored, self-censored by the Webtoon artist who wrote this series or if it was the production itself that has self-censored this kind of tendency. Yeah. So that was very interesting. Yeah, we could read in the absence of things. The absence is very much a palpable and um, strong of a wording as words themselves. Yeah, let's put it that way. Okay, and and then in Wonjun's case, his heartbreak is a little more low stakes. And not to say that it's insignificant, but, you know, it was a high school crush. He thought they mutually liked each other, but turns out she was not into him. And then years later, he finds out she was into him. It's just she could not see herself in a loving relationship with him because she felt like a fraud. Yeah, because of her abusive father. Okay, so we can read... Tuna through Wonjun's high school crush, this other girl. I forget her name, but she's also like Tuna's bestie. The girl and Tuna share an affinity because they both understand what it's like to be under the thumb of an abusive, an oppressive, patriarchal figure in their lives. They both get it. Based on that, it's like, okay, maybe the manager wasn't physically or sexually abusive, but perhaps he was emotionally abusive. He is mentally manipulative. Yeah, that he is for sure, right? Because when he goes and picks her up, like way out there when she's vacationing with Wonjun, he picks her up in the car and, you know, she confronts him. She's like, you know, like you betrayed me. You used me, right? Like she confronts him on all the flaw, all the things that he's done that's hurt her. And then he just lambasts her right back and says you're to blame for all of those things that happened to you. Tuna can't forgive herself at this point. She can't forgive herself for what she's done by being in there. So when the manager blames her in this in the face of her um voicing these grievances, there's a validity to both ends, to both sides. Okay? Yes, she's the one that stepped into this. Yeah. Okay. She's the one that also chose to stay in it. Yeah, okay, that's true. But when she said to him, I stopped singing on that stage because I could not sing. That's real to her. She couldn't. She was stuck. And in that moment, it's like, okay, well, then the industry's job is to take care of their workers, right? Workers comp, okay? Making sure that your employee is not hurt by the job that they're in like what's going on i mean where's the psychological help why is that not offered at all why is she left alone so i see i see the validity from both ends i do and while i see the validity from both ends i also acknowledge the fact that her manager is manipulative yeah because she became ill while working this job and then he and the industry basically abandoned her and told her go sort this out on your own rather than offer her support and help right and so um, she was expecting something from her manager 
uh, a thing that he was not capable of giving to her, just as the industry was demanding her to um, sing and dance, like deliver a talent that she was no longer able to deliver because of the unhappiness that she was suffering as a result of the pressures of her work and the abuse from her work and from her social life. Okay, so Wonjun and Tuna become catalysts for opening up each other's hearts. Hmm? They do this by sometimes force, you know. Wonjun instructs her on basic social decorum, like apologize if you make a mistake. That's how you keep a relationship going. Admit to your truths. Be honest. Be honest and open and truthful. I think this is something she teaches him. I think the show's message shares this idea that the purpose of one's life is to find their way towards self-love. Yeah, there's no other achievement or goal in life, but can one achieve self-love? Like, can I really look at every square inch of myself inside and out and say that I accept me and I love me? is very hard. It's really difficult, actually, because our body keeps changing. Our body keeps on changing. Our mind keeps on changing. Everything about us keeps on changing. So there's a constant revealing, constant unraveling, constant surprise. Yeah. So it's it's hard. It's difficult. And Tuna is somebody who was incapable of doing this. And the show argues that Wonjun was a catalyst in helping her achieve this. Does the show say that she is she can love herself only with Wonjun in her life? I don't think so. I think Wonjun is sort of like a stopover, you know, like a layover when we're trying to get to the broader destination like the main destination right he's a layover and in that I felt like the show was incredibly mature yeah the narrative had a a grand maturity that I just was not expecting because in the end Tuna and Wonjun they don't work out yeah spoiler alert they don't work out they do not end up together it's like Notting Hill right except in Notting Hill they do end up together in this instance they do not end up together but they have this really courageous and raw, vulnerable moment where she forces it out of him. She's like, admit that you missed me. Admit that you wanted to see me. Admit. Admit your truth. Admit your honesty. I need to hear it. And they do it. Oh, my God. So much bravery in that moment, right? Like, such a good scene. The only way to... Be proud is like be proud of our courageousness and our bravery is when we are vulnerable like that. When we are like able to fall apart, you know, really shed our dignity, really shed all the bullshit, all the intellectualizing, shed all the nonsense like the clothes, the makeup, the stardom, the the blah blah blah, the excuses, right? Shedding all of that and be like I'm a heart you're a heart. What's going on in between us right now? And they name it. They name it to each other. I thought that scene was so powerful. And then to show that scene and then be like, and they still, they did not end up together. 
<laughs> like she's doing well. Okay, like she's wearing Prada, she's walking through the airport, all right? She's doing well. She she has fans all around her. She's she's doing well. And Wonjun is at the airport with his boss and he's traveling for work. He's doing well too. You can be honest and vulnerable and break down and split up and still hold your loving truths with you for the rest of your life as long as they serve you on your path towards self-love. Ah. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean I was honestly the ending I was humbled by the ending because I was side-eye judging the show from a glance like uh this is like such child's play, you know, like all the back and forth like young love romance, K-pop star. It's just felt like such a teenager's type of show. And I wasn't into it, but the ending, wow, it moved me more. It moved me so much because um I have an appreciation for K-dramas where the couple doesn't end up together. When there's like no happily ever after, but like a happily they are both okay. <laughs> I get so much hope from that. Truly, 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 truly. So yeah, well done, Pesuji. And uh welcome back to um our buddy Yang Sejong. <laughs> 